On this week's episode of the Players Experience Podcast, we chat with NHL alumni Theo Fleury on his career with Calgary, what it was like to play out in Europe, come back, play in the ACH, and uh, even compete on Battle of the Blades. As well, we talk to him about his book, Playing with Fire, which chats about his sexual abuse, his gambling addiction, and so much more, and how he overcame that, and what that all was uh, kind of led to and be a part of. Uh, before we bring Theo on, though, we would, of course, like to recognize all of our uh, partners, um, the Jaywalk, Hush Blankets, Great North Apparel, uh, for their sponsorships. So make sure to hit these codes below to uh, get your co- discount as uh, you check out with them. Also, guys, remember to check out Jay Salty Photography on Instagram for his work as he is our production team for the show and each and every episode with the images and the videos that you see. So thank you. Big shout out to him. And lastly, guys, if you haven't done it yet, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're not missing any future episodes uh, as we provide great content each and every week that you won't want to miss. Players Experience Podcast is coming up next. Theo, how's it going, man? Going good. Going good. Just putting in a little dippity do. No worries at all. You got to get it in and get going with yeah. it. You know? um, yeah, it's been, it's been definitely an interesting year, that's for sure. But, you know, we're staying busy and, you know, doing what we can. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to chat about your hockey career and your experiences, uh, and we'll just hop right into it. So you started off your career in the MJHL with the St. James Canadians before moving to the WHL with the Moose Jaw Warriors. What was your time with the Warriors like, considering you made quite a name for yourself, putting up uh, 472 points in just 274 games? Um, and where did that passion for hockey come for you? I think it came probably from the first time I ever stepped on the ice, you know. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I instantly fell in love with the game. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, I was really good at, you know, playing hockey. And so, you know, my childhood was basically spent at the rink, just, you know, either practicing, either playing or, you know, hanging out, having fun, playing shinny with my uh, with my friends. But uh, you know, hockey has always been a constant in my life, and uh, you know, everything that I've been given uh, in this world has come from the game of hockey. So, um, you know, I always I always preach to parents, you know, why you know why do we put our kids in sports? Well, we put our kids in sports first and foremost to create quality human beings, not professional athletes, you know. And somehow I see that that has sort of gotten uh, skewed a bit where everybody thinks that, you know, their kid is going to, you know, someday, you know, play in the NHL. But the sad reality is, is that they're um, – there's only 700 jobs in the NHL and most of those jobs are taken, right? Cause Ovechkin has a 10 year deal. 
Crosby, Malkin, Taves, Kane, you know, everybody has long-term deals. And so, you know, what do you got? 8 million kids playing for 60 jobs a year and that's it. You know, there is no, there are no more jobs. And so, you know, I was very fortunate as a kid to grow up in a really great environment with great coaches, great parents, uh, great community. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we got instilled values and, you know, uh, especially respect, you know, I think we, we live in a world today where we've completely lost respect for one another. And that's because of social media is you can, you know, sort of create account an account and be, you know, some random person who, you know, just goes out there and, and uh, disrespects people because they have an, a difference of opinion or, you know, they, they have different political views or whatever it is. And so um, I would say the biggest reason why we're in this state of where we're at today is because, because respect, you know, because we've, we've lost respect for people's opinions, people's things, people's possessions, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, I was very fortunate as a young kid to, you know, to learn respect and, you know, that's never changed. No, and that's terrific. Um, back to, like years ago when, um, I forget their NHL alumni were doing a, uh, like a, a alumni meet and greet thing for an event. I forget what it was, but I know, uh, at one point me and you had actually met in Toronto um, and, uh, yeah, you had, like, you were the most humble person I have chatted with. And, uh, so I can definitely see that side of respect, uh, for sure. And, and you're right. It's, you see parents nowadays, a lot of times they're, they're so focused on trying to get their child into the next level of sport. They, they kind of lose the mindset that they, they had going into it. Right. So now, yeah, you, and, eventually, and then okay. eventually that discourages the kid from, you know, wanting to you know, move up the ladder or go to the next level because, uh, you know, the bottom line, the reason why we initially get into whatever it is, sports or gymnastics or choir or whatever it is, is because it's fun. Yeah. When it stops being fun, then, you know, the kid's less likely to to want to participate if it isn't fun anymore. No, exactly. Now, you began your NHL career with the Calgary Flames in 1988 and played with them for 10 years until you headed to Colorado, then the Rangers. What was your time like with Calgary and beginning your career there? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I don't think I could have gone to a better organization. Um, you know, they were an organization that was ready to win. And, uh, um, you know, my role was a very limited role, which was very easy to sort of step in and, and contribute, uh, especially as a young player. And, uh, you know, I look back on that 89 Stanley Cup team and, you know, from top to bottom, you know, the whole organization, you know, was really focused. Um, they had built the team to get uh, to the point that we got. And, uh, you know, I would say there was more, uh, not only were we a great team, but, you know, the quality of people uh, far surpassed anything that we, you know, accomplished on the ice. And, 
you know, I think it was because of the quality people that we did have is the reason why, you know, we won and had success. And so, um, you know, all I ever wanted was a chance and an opportunity. And uh, uh, 1987, the Flames, uh, you know, took a chance on me and uh, I made the most of that opportunity and uh, ultimately culminated in, you know, carrying the Stanley Cup around the Montreal Forum. And, uh, and then, you know, the subsequent nine, nine and a half, ten, year, ten and a half years after that, you know, was, uh, you know, I sort of went from being a guy they, they hoped would play to, you know, the, you know, sort of the franchise player for the team, and, uh, you know, uh, being the captain for a couple of years and, you know, all that. And so, you know, I'm a Western Canadian kid. And so Calgary was a real great fit for me. And, uh, you know, got to play with some amazing players uh, along the way and, uh, you know, learned a lot about leadership and, and uh, you know, uh, especially, you know, learning from guys like Lanny McDonald and Jim Poplinski, Tim Hunter, you know, Joe Newendike, Dougie Gilmore, you know, the list just goes on and on. Al McKinnis, another guy. You know, and then role players like Colin Patterson, Rick Walmsley, Jamie McCown, Rick Natchez, you know, it was just a really good mixture of guys. And, uh, you know, we really enjoyed playing with, with each other. And, and uh, you know, like I said, ultimately it, it, uh, it finished with us, uh, you know, lifting the Stanley Cup, which is, you know, a dream come true for, for all of us that uh, were, were involved in that experience. Now, talking about those winning ways, we did have a fan question coming asking about the Stanley Cup and what was going through your mind when you won the Stanley Cup with the Flames in just your second year in the NHL? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's every kid's dream to play in the NHL. And then when you get there, uh, it's about winning Stanley Cups. And so, you know, I, I sort of basically did that in my first year in the league. And so, um, uh, you know, it was, it was several dreams come true sort of all at once. And, uh, you know, obviously at the time I didn't really appreciate uh, how significant uh, that was, but, uh, you know, 30 odd years later, I definitely, uh, you know, look back with lots of great memories and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a wonderful experience and it really sort of set me up for the rest of my NHL career after that. Definitely. And now in 2002, you also got to compete at the Olympics with team Canada, taking home the gold medal. What was the experience like for you to be able to represent Canada on the biggest sports stage out there? Um, and, and again, just kind of adds to the al alkylades, if you will, but um, also to, to part two of that question for a fun question is where do you keep your Olympic medal along with your Canada cup and world cup medals? Right. Um, so when I was 16 years old, uh, hockey Canada created a program called the program of excellence. And so I was basically one of the first uh, guys that went through that program. So I played under 17 uh, under 18, two world juniors, two world championships, two world cups of hockey and two Olympic games. So I played 10 times, uh, for my country. 
And it was because they created this amazing program called the program of, of, of excellence. And, uh, um, you know, throughout that whole, my whole hockey experience, you know, uh, I got to play in all these great tournaments and events and, and all that. And so, uh, you know, it was a, it was an amazing experience. And then all culminating with, uh, sort of the end of my career being a part of the 2002 Olympic uh, team in uh, Salt Lake was, uh, you know, one of the greatest experiences, uh, you know, of my hockey life. And so, um, yeah, it was, you know, anytime you get to play for your country is obviously a huge thrill and an honor, but, you know, to represent your country who claims hockey as their, you know, sport, uh, um, is, uh, you know, the ultimate, ultimate, you know, to be considered, to be one of the 23 best players this country has to offer, you know, I don't think it gets much better than that. And then, and then, you know, you get to play with these amazing players, Sackett, Geisman, uh, Mario, uh, Marty Brodeur, Chris Pronger, Al McKinnis, you know, like Lindros, you know, that team was, <laughs> that team was stacked and, uh, um, you know, and then, you know, we, at that time, you know, the U.S. was probably our biggest rival. We had surpassed, you know, the Russians at that time. And to meet those guys in the final and beat them in their own country, uh, you know, was kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday. No, that's great. And, yeah, it's such a, a historic rivalry between Canada and the U.S. And, like, you look at World Juniors now and you look at everything that's happened over the last few years as well. Um, back in when you were playing and and it's crazy how much the games developed but also just like that rivalry is insane um like did you watch much of the world cup this year or sorry the world juniors rather i watched every game because i i believe it's the greatest hockey tournament on the planet i cannot believe that the states brought out a blue trash can at the end (laughs) then they try to pop around the bit the question being like Oh yeah, we we had a trash can for or a blue bin, to, blue barrel to hop over the barrel. It's like no one's buying that line. Give it up, right? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kids being kids, right? You know, um, yeah. obviously, uh, um, you know, the the rivalry is so great that uh, uh, and has been going on for almost two decades now. You know, the U.S. finally caught up to caught up to us. You know, they created their own. Uh, program similar to the one we had in Canada and we just started spitting out these amazing uh, American hockey players and so um, you know from Canada's standpoint that's good for the game because you know when every country gets better it forces us to do different things and forces us to get better you know at the same time and so uh, um, you know unfortunately this year I think uh, because our team didn't face a whole lot of adversity in the tournament. You know, the U.S. jumped on them very quickly, and Canada, you know, hadn't, hadn't faced any adversity. And, and I think Canada maybe ran out a little bit out of gas, too, it looked like. And, and they just weren't able to get themselves back in the hockey game. And, uh, you know, the U.S. took full advantage of that and, uh, you know, won a gold medal. And so... Um, Yep, there's always next year we'll be back at it yeah absolutely yeah well we know we're always going to be you know 
be in the hunt and then being in the mix. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about one game tournaments, right? You know, you look at Salt Lake City, what happened in the quarterfinals, uh, Belarus, you know, beats Sweden, you know, like that, that's not supposed to happen, but that's what makes uh, one game showdowns, uh, you know, anything can happen. And, uh, you know, I would rather play in a seven game series than a one game showdown because, you know, anything can happen, uh, you know, uh, that can go the other way. No, exactly. Now, we had another fan question coming in. In 2005 and 06, during that season, you played with the Belfast Giants of the IHL. You had such a great season with them. After playing so well during that first year, do you wish you could have stayed on for an additional year? Uh, geez. Well, you know, I had, I had three, three young kids at the time, and they had to stay back in Canada. So, um, you know, I, I – I did it as a favor to a friend of mine who, you know, had bought in some interest in the team. And, you know, so I just went over there to sort of, you know, give a boost to the league and give a boost to the team in Belfast. But, uh, you know, it was a wonderful experience, you know, um, the hockey wasn't great, but the life experience was, you know, was second to none. Um, you know, our fan base in Belfast was incredible. Uh, you know, we played in front of 5,000 people almost every night. And, uh, um, but, you know, more importantly, you know, I got to do some traveling around Europe because we only played two games a week. And, you know, I think we may have might have practiced once or twice a week. And so, um, you know, I went over there more for the life experience than the hockey experience. And, uh, um, you know, the people are just, <laughs> they're so amazing, awesome people. And, and, uh, you know, the north coast of, of Ireland is some of the most majestic, most incredible, beautiful uh, places that I've ever seen in my life. And so, um, yeah, that whole, the whole thing was great. And, uh, you know, my teammates were awesome and uh, coaches were great. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a great time over there. Now, while experiences like that are great, talking about life experiences, in 2008, you got to join your brother Ted and the Steinbach North Stars and played in the Allen Cup. What was it like for you to go from the NHL to the EIHL and then to the ACH? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I was completely done playing hockey. I don't think I had gotten it all out of my system. And, you know, my, my father played senior hockey, you know, and uh, – and so when we were kids, uh, you know, the closest team to us in the NHL was the, the old Winnipeg Jets who played in the old WHA. And so, uh, you know, it was a four-hour drive. And, uh, and so uh, the guys that we looked up to as kids were the guys that played senior hockey in our, in our hometowns. And so, you know, me playing in a couple of Allen Cup tournaments was sort of a tribute to – uh, you know, my roots and, and, and watching my dad play senior hockey. And then, you know, my brother and I are two years apart. So we actually never got to play in the same team growing up as kids. And so <clears throat> having the opportunity to, you know, play a season with him was, uh, you know, was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. And uh, unfortunately we didn't win, but, uh, you know, it was still a great experience and the hockey was great. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it, you know, it's another one of those, 
great hockey traditions that, uh, you know, I don't think gets enough uh, uh, eyeballs on it because there's a lot of great players that still play, you know, senior hockey and, uh, you know, back when there was only six teams in the NHL, you know, senior hockey was huge in Canada and there was a lot of senior hockey teams that could have went to the Montreal Forum and kicked the shit out of the Montreal Canadiens. That's how much talent there was around, you know, at that time. It just, there wasn't enough teams for the amount of talent that was actually playing the game. I wish the amount of uh, eyeballs, like you said, still stuck to the ACH because I actually, so I'm from uh, Whippy, just east of Toronto, and I actually with a team called the Whippy Dunlops yeah. on the uh, Ontario side here, the ACH. And uh, yeah, it's insane how like great the hockey is and then how nobody's interested now compared to what it was before. Um, like back in the 50s when the Dunlops won the Allen Cup and then even more so as of like the 90s and 2000s during the lockout, everything, it was like the go-to league. And now you're lucky if you get maybe 100, uh, 200 fans in the stands. I know. It's crazy yeah. how that's changed. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot more opportunity, like there's a lot more opportunities for people to spend their money on different things. And so, um, you know, I remember Saturday nights in my hometown where like hockey night in Canada, you know, we were playing some, some, somebody from up the road or down the road that uh, was a big rival of, of our teams. And so, you know, those were, those were a lot of fun to, to go and watch, you know, and the rinks were packed, you know, they were hanging off the rafters on a Saturday night, you know, so it was, it was good. We'll, we'll get back to that kind of scene one day, hopefully soon. Yeah. It would be nice to, to see that because, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think people really sort of appreciate um, how good the hockey actually is and how competitive it is. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, I played in the North Peace uh, Hockey League for a year in 2005. And, you know, those every rink that we played in, it was completely sold out. And the atmosphere was great. The hockey was great. So, yeah, it was a fun experience. Now, I want to chat about uh, your book, that or your autobiography, um, and step away from the ice for just a quick second. I, I'm in your autobiography called Playing With Fire, I want to chat about what went into that book and, and the, the main message behind it. It became the top-selling book on Amazon within a week of its release. And in the book, you discuss about your sexual abuse as well as spending uh, money on alcohol, drugs, etc. How was it for you to put out a book like that um, and address the predicament that you had and have it so well-received by many, including the sexual abuse victims um, mm -hmm. of today? Yeah. Um... Well, I sort of just disappeared from the game, you know, and a lot of people wondered why, you know, I think they, they just assumed that I had a drinking problem or a drug problem. And, uh, you know, really what it was, it was the culmination of all of this trauma I had experienced as a, as a kid and as an adolescent. And, uh, you know, I could real I could no longer sort of manage my life on life's terms and, and, uh, you know, the, the alcohol and the drugs and the womanizing and all that stuff was just sort of a byproduct of, of me coping, you know, with all of this emotional pain that, that I experienced as a young person. And, and then, it, you know, it just, it sort of came to a head at the end of my career 
and um and yeah and and so i just wanted to tell people what happened and and you know what my life was like and and uh you know i had no idea the extent of sexual abuse on the planet and uh you know from the very first book signing you know uh and then going right across the country you know i realized uh how significant and uh, how prevalent it is in our society and you know i was being approached you know at every every speaking event every book signing you know you name it um you know people were coming up to me and telling telling me their own stories and you know it really sort of changed you know my life's direction and uh you know i've been in this space now for 12 and a half years as an advocate and an activist and you know a healer and uh you know a lot of great things have happened you know because i i wrote that book and you know like i said my intention was not you know this but uh you know it certainly was uh i was you know it was very sort of you know it sort of put me on a different path in a different way and uh you know i feel very blessed and fortunate that i've been able to help so many people you know during this time and uh you know especially now with covid happening man there's so many people that you know are are going through a difficult time and you know mental health is at a all time high suicides are at an all time high and so you know i spend a lot of time on the phone and on zoom you know meeting with people and and uh you know trying to give them hope well one of those opportunities that you were able to be a part of over the last 12 and a half years is being able to put the skates back on in 2010 when you competed on the battle of blades where you and your partner jamie sale finished fifth but the biggest aspect of that show and that competition was you donating your winnings to the men's project which is a charity that provides support for men abused in childhood how was it for you to be able to continue to raise awareness and funds for such an important cause um, while also, you know, tossing on the skates again? Yeah. Well, I, I always say, you know, it was probably the top, one of the top five things I've ever done in my life, you know. Um, not only was it fun, but it was extremely challenging and difficult, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I like a good challenge and uh, I had an amazing partner. Um, you know, how many, how many times you get to skate with an Olympic gold medalist, you know, figure skater. And, uh, she was absolutely fearless, you know, and like tough. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had so many laughs and so much fun. And, uh, um, but it was a great opportunity to bring more awareness to the subject of men's sexual abuse. And, uh, you know, I had met the guys from the men's project on my book tour and you know when i was asked to do the show um you know uh i think like 1.4 million people watch that show uh sunday and monday nights and so it was an unbelievable platform for a guy who was just sort of started i think my book had just come out and you know it was a great place to promote the book but more importantly it was it was a great place to uh, showcase the 
uh, you know, the enormity of, you know, sexual abuse and, and, and how prevalent it is in our, in our society. And, uh, you know, they gave us lots of opportunities to talk about, uh, you know, the subject and, uh, yeah, it was all around. It was, a it was an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, everybody that worked on the show were just awesome. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, that, uh, uh, and it challenged me to do, you know, to do other things like, you know, figure skating is about acting too, right? Because each week had a theme and you had to step into that theme and make it, you know, believable. And so, you know, that was a fun part too, is sort of, you know, that, that acting side that, uh, you know, you don't see that in hockey. And so, uh, you know, it's very artistic and very, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun, but it was hard, man. It was hard. You know, we were skating eight hours a day for three months, basically, you know, because you had one routine for the present week and then you were also working on the routine for the next week too. And so, you know, it was a, it was a lot of fun and it was a cool, very cool process. That's great. Now, I just have a couple more questions for you. So looking back at your career in the NHL, I know this is probably going to be probably the toughest question I've asked you tonight, but is there one game that stands out as your most favorite to play in? Oh, man, there's been so many, you know. Um, you know, I can't really say, you know, you know, there's the World Junior Brawl. There's the World Junior we won in in Moscow, there's Canada Cups, there's two Olympic Games, you know, a couple of World Championships, the Stanley Cup. And so, you know, how I see it is, you know, like I wasn't supposed to play one game in the National Hockey League. And for 15 years, uh, I got to do something that I absolutely love to do. And they actually paid me to do that. And, uh, you know, the simple fact that, you know, I have, you know, 50 different memories of playing the game uh, that could all stand out as being, you know, number one. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I feel blessed and fortunate to have been part of, and I played, you know, with the greatest players of our era, played against them and played with them as well. And so, um, you know, there's way too many for me to sort of single out one exact moment that really stands out, but, uh, you know, um, and I know you asked me about my, where are all, where's all my memorabilia? <laughs> well, and, I, I asked that because we, I've had some past, uh, hot NHL players, some, some Olympians on the show. And it's always a fun aspect uh, of when they keep their medals and, or if they showcase them, if they keep them in a, a Lululemon bag or, or <laughs> hidden in the chest, you never know. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so my gold medal right now is at the Alberta sports hall of fame in Red Deer. Uh, my rings are somewhere in the house, but, you know, what I always tell people is that to me, it's not about the rings and it's not about the medals. It's about, um, you know, I love and I get addicted to the process of winning, right? And the last thing in the process that happens when you win is they give you a ring or they give you a medal or whatever it is. And so, 
uh, you know, being a retired athlete, people hire us to go to the, all these charity events because they want to hear the stories of behind the scenes, right? And, and so for me, you know, those experiences are, you know, the reason why we do what we do, right? And, and then ultimately, you know, at the end of the process, it's, it's definitely about winning, but it's not about, you know, the rings or the medals. It's about, it's about that process and, and uh, you know, the ups and downs and in-betweens of what it takes to, you know, finally, uh, you know, win, right? And to me, that's, you know, that's why I played the game. It wasn't for, um, wasn't for the medals or the rings or anything. It was for, you know, having the opportunity to play with great people and uh, ultimately all come together uh, with a, you know, with a common goal, which is winning and then standing, you know, on the ice carrying the cup around or, you know, winning a Canada cup or winning a world junior or winning a Turner cup down, down in the minors or, you know, ultimately at the Olympics, uh, you know, uh, all of them feel exactly the same, right. You know, your, your job as a professional uh, is to win. And when you don't win, you should be extremely disappointed and that should drive you to work even harder and, and uh, you know, be more prepared for the next opportunity when you get a chance to, to win. And you know what, that's so true because in my experience, like I play baseball and basketball with the Special Olympics and oh, yeah. the, I've been a baseball athlete for 14 years and in 2014, our team got to qualify for nationals. We flew out to Vancouver. We were there for a week, competed. We ended up losing um, in the uh, semifinals to end up playing for bronze and it was so heartbreaking because we tried so hard and it was like we lost 7-6 and it was so close. And, but you're right. It, it drove us to succeed. It drove us to further better ourselves over the next four years. And uh, yeah, four years at that point. And, um, and then we ended up going back and repeating in 2018 at the nationals, but with a different result, we ended up winning gold and yeah. we also set a team record for the first team to go to a national tournament and go undefeated at that tournament. Wow. So, so you're right. It's it's all about that feed and that drive to succeed that, uh, that it's all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're not going to win all the time. It's, you know, it's what you learn from, you know, those disappointing moments, um, you know, that sort of drive you, you know, and especially, you know, uh, in 98, you know, we went to Nagano with the first ever sort of dream team in hockey and uh you know we finished fourth and so you know that let, let left a you know a bitter taste in our mouth and uh and then Wayne came in and and took over the team and uh you know ultimately like i said it, it ended up with us uh, winning the gold medal and and uh, but 98 we learned a lot about you know about what we needed to do and how we needed to prepare and and uh what we needed to take care uh, away from the rink and uh you know uh, Wayne did such a great job of just you know uh taking care of all the outside distractions that we had in Nagano and he eliminated all of those and all we had to do was concentrate on playing and and because of that uh, you know we we want we want a gold medal that's great now my last question for you is you've had so many experiences throughout your career 
Um, like you said, the ups, the downs, getting to the game to play in the game with so few limited jobs available. I always like to end off each episode with a segment I call the words of wisdom. So what words of wisdom or advice would you want to give to the next generation of athletes that want to either play hockey locally, regionally, provincially, or be the next NHL player? Oh, man. Well, I would say, you know, hard work and perseverance, right? For me, uh, you know, nobody, nobody believed, right? I was the only person that believed that I could, you know, reach sort of the upper echelons of, of my sport. And if I didn't believe in myself, I probably would have failed, you know. Um, but it was through hard work, determination, you know, all these things. And so, you know, how does a guy like me who is five foot six, 150 pounds, and the average, uh, the average of the league is six feet, 200 pounds. So everybody's six inches taller than me and outweighs me by 50 pounds. And so how am I going to compete in a game where you know I am way below average you know um, and I always took you know my I think my greatest asset was that I competed at the highest level is that I hated to lose and uh, you know I was definitely not easy to play against you know uh, I think the greatest compliment you can be paid as a professional athlete is you know when guys come up to you uh, now that I'm retired and, you know, I see different guys I played against in the NHL and they say to me all the time, I hated playing against you. And I think that's the greatest compliment, you know, you can get is because, um, you know, you're certainly, I didn't play the game to be liked. I played the game to win and uh, I was willing to do whatever it took to, uh, to win. And I think that's really at the end of the day, what set me apart from every other small guy that tried to, um, you know, have a career in the NHL was, uh, was I hated to lose and I would do anything uh, to help my team win. Theo, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, talk about your experience and talk about your book. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, hopefully when COVID ends, we will see you again, maybe in Toronto, maybe yeah, sure. Hungary and, uh, yeah, we'll see each other soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, bud. All right, take care.